0: chapter 17 of post haste this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org post haste by r m ballantine chapter 17 Tolly and mrs bones in difficulty the descent of George Aspel became very rapid in course of time. As he lost self-respect, he became reckless and, as a natural consequence, more dissipated. Remonstrances from his friend Mr. Blurt, which were repelled at first with haughty disdain, came to be received with sullen indifference. He had nothing to say for himself in reply, because, in point of fact, there was nothing in his case to justify his taking so gloomy and despairing a view of life. Many men, he knew, were at his age out of employment, and many more had been crossed in love. He was too proud to condescend to false reasoning with his lips, though he encouraged it in his heart. He knew quite well that drink and bad companionship were ruining him, and offhand, open-hearted fellow though he was said to be he was mean enough as we have already said to growlingly charge his condition and his sins on fate at last he resolved to give up the business that was so distasteful to him unable to give a satisfactory reason for so doing or to say what he meant to attempt next and unwilling or ashamed to incur the remonstrances and rebut the arguments of his patron the bold descendant of the sea kings adopted that cowardly method of departure called taking french leave like some little schoolboy he ran away in other words he disappeared and left no trace behind him deep was mr anecle's regret for he loved the youth sincerely and made many fruitless efforts to find him for lost in London means lost indeed. He even employed a detective, but the grave man in grey, who looked like no class of man in particular, and seemed to have no particular business in hand, and who talked with Mr. Blurt at their first meeting in a quiet, sensible, easy way, as though he had been one of his oldest friends, could find no clue to him, for the good reason that Mr. Bones had taken special care to entice Aspo into a distant locality, under pretense of putting him in the way of finding semi-nautical employment about the docks. Moreover, he managed to make Aspo drunk, and arranged with Boone companions to strip him, while in that condition, of his garments, and re-clothe him in the seedy gar peculiar to those gentlemen who live by their wits. Very strange mothered Aspel, unrecovering sufficiently to be led by his friends toward Archangel Court. Very strange that I did not feel the scoundrels robbing me. I must have slept very soundly. Yes, you slept very sound, and they're a bad lot, and uncommon sharp in that neighborhood. It's quite celebrated. I tried to get you away, but you was as obstinate as a mule." "'and kept on singing about some sort of coves or the old times that must have been bigger blackguards "'than we have about us nowadays, "'though the song calls them glorious.' "'Well, well,' said Aspel, "'shrinking under the public gaze "'as he passed through the streets. "'Don't talk about that. "'Couldn't you get into some by-lanes "'where there are not so many people? "'I don't like to be seen, "'even by strangers.' in this disreputable guise. I wish the sun didn't shine so brightly. Come, push on, man. Why, sir, said Bones, becoming a little more respectful in spite of himself, you've no need to be ashamed of your appearance. There's not half a dozen people in a mile walk in London as would look twice at you whatever appearance you cut, so long as it was only disreputable. Never mind. Push on, said Aspel sternly. I am ashamed, whether I have need to be or not. I'm a fool. I'm more... I'm a brute. I tell you what it is, Bones. I'm determined to turn over a new leaf. I'll write to Mr. Blurt and tell him where I am, for, of course, I can't return to him in such clothes as these. And... "'and I'll give up drink.' "'Bones met this remark with an unexpected and bitter laugh. "'What do you mean?' demanded Aspel, "'turning fiercely upon him. "'I mean,' replied Bones, "'returning his stare with the utmost coolness, "'that you can't give up drink, "'if you was ever to try so much. "'You're too far gone in it. "'I've tried it myself many a time and failed.' though I've about as strong a will as your own, may be stronger. We shall see, returned Aspo, as they moved on again, and turned into the lane which led to the wretched abode of Bones. Bring me pen, ink, and paper, he exclaimed, on entering the room, with a grand air, for a pint of ale, recently taken, had begun to operate. Bones, Falling in with his friend's humour, rummaged about until he found a stump of a quill, a penny ink bottle, and a dirty sheet of paper. These he placed on a rickety table, and Aspel wrote a scrawly note in which he gave himself very bad names and begged Mr. Blurt to come and see him, as he had got into a scrape and could by no means see his way out of it, having folded the note very badly he rose with the intention of going out to post it, but his friend offered to post it for him. Accepting the offer, he handed him the note and flung himself down in a heap on the straw mattress in the dark corner, where he had first become acquainted with Bones. In a few seconds, he was in a deep, lethargic slumber. What a wretched spectacle! exclaimed Bones, touching him with his toe and, in bitter mockery, quoting the words that Aspel had once used regarding himself. He turned to leave the room, and was met by Mrs. Bones. There's a friend of yours in the corner, Molly. Don't disturb him. I'm going to post a letter for him, and will be back directly. Bones went out, posted the letter in the common sewer, and returned home. During the brief interval of his absence, Taddy had come in, on a visit after her prolonged sojourn in the country. She was strangling her mother with a kiss when he entered. "'Oh, mother, I'm so happy and so sorry!' she exclaimed, laughing and sobbing at once. Taddy was obviously torn by conflicting emotions. "'Take your time, darling,' said Mrs. Bones smoothing the child's hair with her red toil-worn hand i take it easy tot said her father with a meaning glance that sent a chill to the child's heart while he sat down on a stool and began to fill his pipe what's it all about oh it's the beautiful country i've been in mother you can't think the green fields and the trees and oh the flowers and no bricks, almost no houses, and, but did you know, her grief recurred here, that Mr. Aspel has been lost, and I have been telling such lies? We came into town, Miss Lillycrop and me, and we have heard about Mr. Aspel from old Mr. Blurt, who's trying to find him out with advertisements in the papers, and detectives, and a message boy they call Phil, who's a friend of Mr. Aspel, and also of Peter, who's peter asked mrs bones ah who's peter echoed mr bones with a somewhat sly glance under his brows he's a message boy and such a dear fellow replied toddy i don't know his other name he didn't mention it and they only call him little peter but he saved me from the fire at least he tried saved you from the fire exclaimed Mrs. Bones in amazement. "'Yes. Didn't Miss Lillycrop tell you?' asked Tolly, in no less surprise. Now it is but justice to Miss Lillycrop to say that even in the midst of her perturbation after the fire, she sought to inform Mrs. Bones of her child's safety, and sent her a note, which failed to reach her, owing to her being away at the time on one of her prolonged absences from home." and the neighbor to whose care it had been committed had forgotten all about it. As Mrs. Bones read no newspapers and took no interest in fires, she knew nothing about the one that had so nearly swelled up Toddy. Come, tell us all about it, tot. You mentioned it to me, but we couldn't go into details at the time, said her father, puffing a vigorous cloud of smoke into the chimney. Nothing loath. THE CHILD GAVE HER PARENTS AN ACCOUNT OF THE EVENT, WHICH WAS AS GLOWING AS THE FIRE ITSELF. AS SHE DWELT WITH PECULIAR DELIGHT ON THE BRAVE RESCUE effected BY ASPEL AT THE EXTREME PERIL OF HIS LIFE, CONSCIOUS TOOK ABEL BONES BY SURPRISE AND GAVE HIM A TWINGE. AT THAT MOMENT THE SLEEPER IN THE CORNER HEAVED A DEEP SIGH AND TURNED ROUND TOWARDS THE LIGHT. MRS. BONES AND THE CHILD RECOGNIZED HIM AT ONCE and half rose. Keep still, said Bones, in a low, savage growl, which was but too familiar to his poor wife and child. Now look here, he continued in the same voice, laying down his pipe. If either of you two tell man, woman, or child where George Aspel is, it'll be the death of you both, and of him too. Oh, Abel, don't be hard on us, did his wife, you would-no, you can't mean to do him harm. No, I won't hurt him, said Bones, but you must both give me your word that you'll make no mention of him or his whereabouts to any one till I give you leave. They were obliged to promise, and Bones, knowing from experience that he could trust them, was satisfied. But you'll make a promise to me, too, Abel. Won't you, dear? said Mrs. Bones. You'll promise not to do him harm of any kind, not to tempt him. Yes, Molly, I promise that. Mrs. Bones knew, by some peculiarity in the tone of her husband's voice, that he meant what he said, and was also satisfied. Now, Molly, said Bones with a smile, I want you to write a letter for me so get another sheet of paper, if you can. Mr. Aspo used up my last one. A sheet was procured from a neighboring tobacconist. Mrs. Bones always acted as her husband's amanuensis, although he wrote very much better than she did, either because he was lazy or because he entertained some fear of his handwriting being recognized by his enemies in the police. Squaring her elbows and with her head very much on one side, almost reposing on the left arm. Mrs. Bones produced a series of hieroglyphics which might have been made by a fly half-drowned in ink, attempting to recover itself on the paper. The letter ran as follows. Dear Bill, I am a-going to do it on Monday the 15th. Tilder Cove won't work. Besides, I've changed my mind about him. Don't fail. What's the address, Abel? asked Mrs. Bones. Willem Stiggs, replied her husband. So I.G.S., said Mrs. Bones, writing very slowly. Rosebud Cottage. What? exclaimed the man fiercely as he started up. Oh, I declare, said Mrs. Bones with a laugh, if that place that Ty's been telling us of ain't running in my head. But I've not rid it "'Abel, I only said it.' "'Well, then, don't say it again,' growled Bones, "'with a suspicious glance at his wife. "'Write number six, Little Alley, Birmingham.' "'So, number six, Little Birmingham," said Mrs. Bones, "'completing her task with a sigh. "'When Bones went out to post this curious epistle, "'his wife took Toddy on her knee and—' embracing her, rocked to and fro, uttering a moaning sound. The child expressed anxiety and tried to comfort her. Come, what's the use of striving against it? she exclaimed suddenly. She's sure to come to know it in the end, and to need advice from someone, if it was even from a child. Toddy listened with suspense and some anxiety. You've often told me, Mother, that the best advice comes from God. So has Miss Lilycrop. Mrs. Bones clasped the child still closer, and uttered a short, fervent cry for help. Toddy, she said. Listen, you're old enough to understand, I think. Your father is a bad man. At least, I won't say he's altogether bad, but, but he's not good. "'Totty quite understood that, "'but said that she was fond of him, notwithstanding. "'Fond of him, child,' cried Mrs. Bones. "'That's the difficulty. "'I'm so fond of him that I want to save him, "'but I don't know how.' "'Hereupon the poor woman explained her difficulties. "'She had heard her husband murmuring in his sleep "'something about committing a burglary, "'and the words Rosebud College had more than once escaped his lips now Tolly dear said mrs bones firmly when I heard you tell all about that rosebud cottage and the treasure miss stiffened the gills stivergill mother well stivergill it ain't a pretty name whichever way you put it when I heard of the treasure she's so foolish as to keep on her sideboard I felt sure that your father had made up his mind to rob miss stivergill with the help of that bad man Bill Stiggs all the more when I see how your father jumped when I mentioned Rosebud College. now toddy we must save your father if he had only got me to post his letter I could easily have damaged the address so as no one could read it as it is I've read it so bad that I don't believe there's a man in the post office could make it out this is the first time toddy that your father has made up his mind to break into a house but when he do make up his mind to a thing he's sure to go through with it he must be stopped toddy somehow must be stopped but I don't see how toddy who was greatly impressed with the anxious determination of her mother and therefore with the heinous nature of her father's intended sin gave her entire mind to the subject and after talking it over and looking at it in all lights, came to the conclusion that she could not see her way out of the difficulty at all. While the two sat gazing on the ground with dejected countenances, a gleam of light seemed to shoot from Tati's eyes. "'Oh, I've got it!' she cried, looking brightly up. "'Peter!' "'What? The boy you met at Rosebud Cottage?' asked mrs bones yes he's such a nice boy and you've no idea mother what a inventor he is he could invent anything i do believe if he tried And i'm sure he'll think of some way to help us mrs bones was not nearly so hopeful as her daughter in regard to peter but as she could think of nothing herself it was agreed that Totty should go at once to the post office and inquire after peter she did so, and returned crestfallen with the news that Peter was away on a holiday until the following Monday. Why, that's the 15th, said Mrs. Bones anxiously. You must see him that day, Toddy dear, though I fear it will be too late. How did you find him out? There must be many Peters among the telegraph boys. To be sure there are but there are not many Peters who have helped to save a little girl from a fire, you know, said Tolly with a knowing look. They knew who I wanted at once, and his other name is such a funny one. It is Pax. What? exclaimed Mrs. Bones, with a sudden look of surprise. Pax, mother, Peter Pax. Whatever Mrs. Bones might have replied to this was checked by the entrance of her husband. She cautioned Tolly in earnest, hurried tones, to say nothing about Rosebud Cottage unless asked, and especially to make no mention whatever of the name of Pax. End of chapter 17